Hello, and welcome to the Energy Strong podcast presented by SPL. I'm Patrick Schauer. Joining me today, as always, is the director of ESG for SPL, Andrew Parker. How are you doing, Andrew? Howdy. How are you doing, Patrick? Doing well. Also joining us, Kat Galloway, the CEO of Artemis Energy. Hey, Kat. Hey, glad to be here today. So today we're going to be talking to Stephen Anson, a real expert in the field of measurement. Andrew, I know that's kind of your wheelhouse. Yeah, I thought it was would be a great episode to bring someone like Stephen on. You know, we talk so much about all the good things that happens in oil and gas, and, and we put all this effort into producing the product and doing it responsibly, but almost equally as important is the world of measurement. And uh, it's one of those things I feel like it's kind of an underground part of the oil and gas industry. It doesn't get a lot of attention or, or love from the mainstream oil and gas folks, but it's arguably one of the most important pieces of what we do as an industry because it is the cash box for which oil and gas companies get paid on, right? I mean, if you you got to measure the product and you got to measure volumes and you got to do it accurately if you want to get paid. And Stephen is a great subject matter expert. He's involved with API. He's involved with BLM and a number of other industry organizations. At, uh, and he's a great person to come on and just talk to us a little bit about what measurement is and, and some of the cool things that he's got brewing with uh, various work groups at API. Well, I certainly want to get paid. So so let's hear all about what's, what's the most important things on the measurement side. So glad to be here. We will be right back to the Energy Strong podcast, but I want to tell you about our sponsor, SPL. They offer end-to-end testing, measurement and reporting solutions across the entire hydrocarbon value chain through cutting-edge technology, meticulous processes, and highly qualified personnel. SPL offers insights you can trust and act on. Check them out online at spl-inc.com. That's spl-inc.com. And now... Back to the show. Today, I'm really excited to introduce our guest to the Energy Strong podcast, Stephen Anson. Uh, Stephen has worked in the industry for about 21 years now and uh, worked for companies like Noble and Emerson before uh, his current landing spot as director of measurement for W Software. And I'm always amazed at all the extracurriculars Stephen does. He still somehow finds time to be an Iron Man. So, Stephen, how many Ironmans have you done to date? Seven. Yeah, I just, just finished my seventh one this past May. Any on the books for 22? No, I'm going to do something a lot stupider in 2022, and I'm going to try to run 100 miles. Ultra marathon now. An ultra marathon, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot stupider. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That sounds just <laughs> like if I had to choose between an Ironman and a uh, ultra, I think I would definitely do... Iron Man. You're going to join me on the triple bypass ride, right? You know, Energy Strong, we got a team. We're going to be riding the triple bypass from Evergreen to uh, Avon this year. Did you see that? Yeah, my truck's the perfect support vehicle. Yeah. Right I was going to sign you up. Okay, cool, man. Well, for those who don't, who don't know you, Stephen, uh, maybe just beyond what I just uh, did in the introduction, just kind of introduce yourself and... Uh, Tell us a little bit more about, about what you do and your expertise and uh, your time in the industry. Yeah, sure. Appreciate it. Um, so, like you said, I've been doing this professionally for 21 years. Uh, started out as a technician offshore in the Gulf of Mexico. So, 
doing installations, repairs, calibrations, pulling samples, you know, almost every aspect of field measurement function uh, I was doing. I'm a Louisiana native, so that's the, the whole Gulf of Mexico scene. Um, and then just slowly kind of worked my way out of that and have had uh, various roles in um, you know, data management, uh, people management, engineering, um, and projects uh, over the, over the you know, following years. Um, done it uh, you know, in pretty much all over the world. So it, depending on, on the project or the support that I was giving, um, I've touched uh, you know, several places around the world, mostly here in the U.S., but uh, have had a few international things, which were always very fun. Um, live here in uh, Golden, Colorado now. I've been in Colorado 11 years. Um, you know, like I said, born and raised in Louisiana. Did a brief stint in Texas. Uh, left as soon as I could and came here to Colorado. And, um, you know, here we are today. Uh, I've worked for a few different operators and like midstream gatherers and transporters. Uh, most of my background is in, on the operations side. I, uh, like you said, I had a small stint with Emerson. Uh, super fun job, super great company. Uh, but then came back to industry uh, on the operations side for a bit. Uh, and now I'm working for a software company. So, it uh, it's been about as wild and erratic a ride as you could uh, expect over the last twenty one years, but but super fun. What beef do you have with Texas? Uh, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a country kid from the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. It's just too big, man. And, you know, I lived in Houston, and I couldn't. I, it's too fast. It's too big. There's there's so much culture. There's no culture. Um, it, I wouldn't say I have beef with it. It just wasn't for me. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. So, Stephen, you said your background is, is primarily in measurement. And can you back up a little bit and just kind of tell us what, what, is, what do you mean when you say measurement and what all is included in that? Uh, and how does that relate to all the different parts of the industry? And if you can explain that in, you know, a few words. Uh, I'll do it in as few words as I can. So measurement is like this very small niche part of oil and gas um, and other uh, energy facets, right? But <clears throat> what it is, it's the, the quantification and qualification of the volumes that are being produced or the, or the products, right? And so oil, gas, produced water, you know, once you take all of those and strip them out into their individual components, right, they all need to be quantified and qualified. And so we're, we're, we're using devices and technology and in some cases um, algorithms to apply a, a volume to natural gas, you know, an MCF or a barrel of oil or a barrel of water or a gallon of NGL, et cetera, right? And so it's, it's, it's literally measuring something very, very similarly to how when you're at a gas station and you're filling up your vehicle, right? You put the nozzle in your vehicle um, and you've got two dials. You got one dial telling you how much is going in your truck um, and another dial that's telling you how much is coming out of your wallet. And so <clears throat> there's a little bitty device inside that, that gas pump called a meter and it's measuring the gallons as it goes into your vehicle. Um, 
Now, that's way downstream of anything I've ever done, right? Like, I've never dealt with meters in a gas pump, um, which is interesting because way far upstream of that, we take way, way more things into consideration. Things like temperature um, and pressure corrections uh, because our hydrocarbons want to expand and contract uh, based on the process conditions. And then things like the, the quality aspect of it, so the actual components, the molecular content, uh, of these products as it's going through there because they all behave differently under pressures and temperatures. So uh, that's what I mean. So, so measurements, the, the cash register of really oil and gas companies, right? I mean, you got to know how much you're making to sell. And it, it's always fascinated me being on the measurement side as a vendor you see kind of a whole bunch of different companies and different measurement programs and some companies do it so well. And then some companies don't do it well enough. And I'm just curious, you know, you've, you've worked in the measurement departments for companies like Noble, why, why do some companies value it more than others? Um, that's a deeply uh, political conversation. Um, because like you said, some companies really care about it and some companies, you know, feel like they can live without it. Um, I think it depends on the type of company you are. Uh, you look at pipeline companies, transmission companies, you know, midstream companies. They don't own a product, right? They, their whole business is moving a molecule from point A to point B. They charge a transportation fee or maybe a tariff. You know, if, if they do any of the, the processing or refining, there will be a fee in there. But really, the, the entire business is built around, you know, picking up a product, delivering a product, and, and then maybe on the back end, some efficiencies on how they, uh, how they handle that. Um, on the upstream side of the world, you, you, you own a commodity. You own and sell a commodity. You drill a well, you produce it, you've got this high-valuable <laughs> uh, product, right? Um, and so there's probably a little more grace given when you've got something that's worth $80 a barrel and it costs you 40 to produce. Um, you know, those errors are, are less significant. Uh, I, I still think they're important, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're still making money. So, so talk to me about, about the QA, QC process that goes into measurements. I ask that because I do a lot of work on the air permitting and compliance side. So I work with major operators um, and it seems like there's always like, it takes a month for everyone in the corporation to fully QA, QC the volumes that went through the previous month. Um, what is that process? Is it that they're going through an accounting project or is it that they are um, QAQCing the, the meter data itself? Um, why does it take so long? Well, that's a good question. Um, and it's because so many hands are touching it is the short answer, right? When you look at something that is installed in the field, so you've got a physical device in there, um, it's got product flowing through it. So it's, it's measuring that. All of that's going into a flow computer. It's being calculated and recalculated dozens of times every second, um, compiled and rolled up into you know, hourly averages. And then it comes into the 
in, into the, the back office, right? And so this is where your, your analysts and your accountants live, and they're looking at these volumes, and they're looking to make sure that all of the records are there. You've got a record for that meter every day. And, and most of these are as granular as an hour. So you're looking for 760, something like that, records in a month for one meter. Well, there's potentially hundreds or thousands of um, meters there um, that, that these analysts are looking at. But then there's kind of like that lagging component to it that might be the, the technician in the field who calibrates the meter um, or pulls the sample. And so he pulls the sample and he sends it to the lab and the lab stages it in their queue and they finally run it and then they have to do their own reporting and they have to do their own QA and QC on that results before they send it to you. Right? And so that, it just takes time uh, is, is the main reason. Um, and going back to the whole cash register statement, um, it's really critical that these volumes are, are accurate. More than just the, the cash register piece, right? These go to environmental groups, they go to regulatory groups, they go to um, uh, forecasting groups, uh, they go to the engineering teams who look at these volumes and decide if they need to do any workovers on the wells or things like that. So it's 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 a critical piece of of information that gets disseminated throughout the company internally, but also externally. I always call measurement the redheaded stepchild of the industry. Right? <laughs> we um, more people don't know about us than do. Um, and those who do, um, the majority of those don't know why they have us in the company um, and because we're always saying we need more money to put a meter here, you know, when, when their whole objective is to build something with less meters and fewer dollars. So it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a misunderstood piece of, of oil and gas operations for sure. I think that said, the, that tune might be changing a little bit, right? As now there's, you know, ESG and the kind of movement to start measuring a lot of different things than we're, we're used to measuring, right? Emissions and um, all sorts of, of other uh, quantities that maybe we've measured in the past, but haven't done it with as much accuracy or as widespread. And you being the measurement expert you are, Stephen, have been working on a technical report with the American Petroleum Institute. Um, it's called the Measurement of Produced Water and Custody Transfer. Tell us a little bit about what that document is and how it, how it came to be. Yeah, um, so produced water, we, we talked previously a little bit about commodities, right? Uh, crude oil, natural gas are, are the, the dominant players in the space, um, and water was kind of just this, something that came along with it. You couldn't get just gas, you couldn't get just oil, you couldn't get just gas and oil, you had to take this produced water that has no value, it's salty, um, it usually smells bad, it's got all these like negative things to it, right? Uh, you can't use it for anything, it just, it, it came with it. So it's kind of like the trash at your house. You can't use it, 
you want to get rid of it. You got to pay someone to do that. That's kind of how produced water was. It was just you know the household garbage of an oil well. Um, but with the, the the shale revolution, primarily, we saw a lot more produced water come out of these wells from uh, fracking and just you know horizontal um, uh, drilling. We saw just a lot, lot more. And so the removal of this water became a bigger deal. And so you started seeing companies lay pipe to move it to uh, a disposal well. You started seeing companies start drilling their own disposal wells. Um, whole trucking company business businesses were stood up where all they do is take produced water. And so, you know, people who were kind of keen to what was happening um, started to develop entire business models around the transportation and disposal of produced water and started treating it, you know, just like other midstream gathering companies were like, hey, I'll get your water off your lease and send it to this disposal well or this recycling center, and I'm only going to charge you this much money for every barrel. And so that was great. You didn't have to deal with trucks. You had a clean way to get it in and out. It was automatic. You didn't have to, you didn't have to worry about so much of, of you know, coordinating the logistics of it. Um, and so as this started to, to kind of really take off, you've got these prices being built into contracts and agreements and these terms that people have to live by um, and these, these promises that everyone makes to one another. And so now they're starting to put meters in there. So as whereas before, maybe it just went into a tank and a guy would gauge it. <clears throat> um, now people are putting meters. Um, I personally have seen water meters just slapped between flex pipe laying on the ground, um, right on the discharge of a pump, um, you know, in vertical downflow positions full of, you know, gas and air bubbles and things like that as it's going through. So, I mean, pretty much every measurement no-no that you could imagine was happening with the measurement of produced water. So people started coming to the API conferences um, and, and, and said, we need to do something about produced water. And so after a few of those meetings, um, the Committee of Liquid Measurement, which is one of the subcommittees within API, said, let's put together an ad hoc group to determine how necessary it is to have some type of standard or regulation around the measurement of produced water. Uh, the group got together, pulled a bunch of information, discussed amongst ourselves, presented our case back to uh, the committee, and the committee said, yeah, we should, we should probably do something about this. So anyone who's listening who's not familiar with API, the American Petroleum Institute, there's a group within the American Petroleum Institute called the uh, COPM, Committee on Petroleum Measurement. They are responsible for producing uh, documents that are part of the Manual of Petroleum Measurement Standards. So these are the governing documents that are used for reference material on how to operate meters, how to design equipment, how to pull samples, how to run samples, how to do a proper allocation, how to perform your test criteria, um, uh, uh, the whole gamut of what you would do you know, front to back on, on um, measurement. 
So within COPM, there's a whole group of other subcommittees. I mentioned the Committee on Liquid Measurement, and that's where this one fell. Um, and so the, the ad hoc group was turned into <clears throat> a working group with the mission to put forth a document that um, the industry could start using around the not really the regulation, but like best practices when it comes to measuring produced water. A lot of the things that you need to consider um, and really in hopes of being able to get some standardization across the industry and not just people sticking meters where it's most convenient, but actually designing equipment and putting these measurement stations in place that are generating revenue. Um, that way, the it's fair on both ends, right? And so the, the, the person who's trying to get rid of the water and the person who's transporting the water can feel good about either what they're being charged or what they're charging. And so that's, that's what we've done over the last couple of years is put together a technical report, which is slightly different than a standard. Um, in the sense that it doesn't have to go through some of the same rigorous review processes uh, that a standard does. Uh, but it's a reference, it will be a referenceable document. So if, if an end user wanted to put it in their contract, they could say API technical report. It's 25XX right now. The XX will be replaced with whatever the appropriate numbers are when it gets published. Um, but that's that's the hope, right? And also the hope is that it gets out there, it kind of marinates within the industry, people read it, people use it, and they go, hey, we need to put this in there, we need to take this out, kind of beef it up and let it mature a little bit, and then reopen it, edit as necessary, turn it into an actual standard. So is that the ultimate goal, Stephen, to have an official API standard on produced water measurement at the end of the day? That That would be the ultimate goal. Yes, sir. Good deal. Well, I, working in the produced water space, I can concur with everything that you said earlier about the, the issues with uh, inaccurate measurements or at least uh, people not fully appreciating how much inaccuracy there can be in measurement yeah. uh, if those measurement devices aren't used correctly. So appreciate all the hard work that you and API have been doing on that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, it, it's definitely going to be a good thing, right? Because we're we're doing... We're getting in front of it. We're, we're doing it before we're being told we have to do it. You know, Andrew made the point earlier about measurement becoming more important from an environmental standpoint. Um, anytime we, we as an industry, oil and gas, can be proactive to something that's coming down the pipe, um, it's way better than once we let it get out of control and then other groups come in and tell us how to do it. Um, because the last thing we want is, you know, some other regulating body who has little to no experience in our fields of expertise telling us how to do our jobs. So we're the best, we're, we're the best ones to produce this type of content. Um, and I think that's why we reacted the way we did, is we want to get in front of it before someone else told us how to do it. Stephen, do you have an estimate on when that report is being released yeah, outside so of draft form? That's a really good question. Um, so we just finished a working group review, uh, which means everyone who contributed to the document got a chance to read the whole thing and make comments. Uh, we just finished that, resolved all the comments. 
Um, and actually, Monday of this week, I submitted it to the Committee of Liquid Measurement for uh, review to the entire committee. Um, our target, though, is fall of this year to, to have a document that's published and out there available for, the, for use. You, you did talk earlier about the importance of measurement, or and Andrew mentioned it, the importance of of measurement for environmental considerations. Can you talk a little bit about how things like air emissions and, and um, other environmental impact statements are are impacted by measurement and then specifically like the quality of, of measurements being used? Yeah. Um, and, and Kat, feel free to chime in if you have specifics on the air question. Yeah, that's getting a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. Um, you know, I'm not an environmental guy. I mean, I appreciate the environment. I like it. I enjoy it. Um, but you know, that's not really ever been my job or my focus, but when it comes to measuring volumes, whether it's, it's for, uh, greenhouse gas calculations, um, or, uh, flare reporting or combusting or things like that, I mean, the, the technology and, and devices used for that, you know, are, are super critical because um, I say that because when the whole like Eldar thing became a thing and you had people walking around with these, I don't know, what were they, like $30,000 cameras or something, like super expensive equipment, right? And, you know, the week before their job was reading tanks or something like that, not taking away from any of that, but literally zero to no experience, you know, experience in that. And they're walking around with these cameras and they're seeing different colors and vapors in there. And their whole job was to quantify that from, from a camera because you can see the waves they're going, oh, that's approximately this much volume every day. It's a total swag. Um, so I know it's important. It's very good for the identification of this stuff, but it, it and it's come a long way, right? But in the beginning, it was it was a total just like check the box exercise, in my opinion. But the technology that's come out now um, for different things like that are, are very important. So, Stephen, a question we've been asking everybody on the podcast, and we're a month into 22, but uh, it's it's still a young year. When you're kind of looking at oil and gas as a, as a whole, as an industry, and, and some of the trends that we've been seeing with uh, oil prices and, and regulatory environment, the current administration stance towards um, the industry, kind of... Pull your genie uh, genie lamp out and give us kind of what you think or what you what you kind of anticipate uh, might happen uh, for oil and gas going into twenty two. Is it you know here at Energy Strong, obviously a big part of what we do is advocacy, right, for the industry and and helping educate people and the role that it plays in our lives and lives around the world. And so, kind of, uh, I I didn't throw this in the the questions yesterday so you probably am kind of putting you on the spot here but uh if you have any kind of 2022 predictions we'd love to hear it everyone is so divided right now it's between everything that's going on it's like you are either black and white 
and and there's there's hardly any gray when it comes to this stuff and it's you can't be green without hating oil and gas and you can't be oil and gas without hating green and it's just it's not I don't think it has to be that way and I think one of the largely misunderstood things is the oil and gas industry does care right um, we see that here in Colorado we see it in a lot of other areas we we do there's way more success stories than there are horror stories it's just you only hear the horror stories um, and that's that's so my hope would be that some of that stuff slowly starts to change um, and people can really really understand the other side and, and be more um, balanced and, and unbiased amen to that I mean drop the mic that's I mean I think we all feel the same way right I mean just the divisiveness that exists between, you know, the either side, you know, industry environmentalists, and there, there doesn't seem to be middle ground when I think there's a lot more middle ground than everyone sees. So I think that was well put, Stephen, and a good, a good, good answer for me putting you on the spot. So well done. Thank you so much, Stephen, for for joining us today. Keep us posted um, on the API work as it comes out. Make sure once anything gets uh, released that you tag us so we can follow all the work that you're doing out there. Thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you, Stephen. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Energy Strong podcast. But before we get going, Andrew has an announcement about our next episode. Andrew? So Dan Natz is going to join us from the IPAA uh, to talk a little bit about what that organization does for the industry. And it's going to be an interesting one because we're taking the leap of faith and going from audio only to visual. So now everyone's going to have to, or I guess they have the option to see my ugly face while we talk. Yeah, we're going to get to critique everyone's uh, offices slash closets wherever we happen to be recording. <laughs> yeah, who knows where I'm going to be. So, yeah, it'll be a, it's going to be a whole new adventure. I'm trying to figure that'll out be, what kind of... Uh, that'll be a new sub-segment we'll do is guess where Andrew is today based on his background. Yeah, I was kind of thinking I might go like Woody Page style and like have like a, you know, quote of the day up behind me of some relevance. But uh, yeah, that would be a that would be a fun guess where Andrew is, because it's uh, I'm always on the move, it seems like when we're filming these. So want to want to thank Stanstone, the Sandstone group as well. So Stu Turley and his team over there have been the ones to step up and help us take production to the next level um, with the video. Um, it, video adds a whole nother level of complexity to producing this podcast. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to, to work with his team and uh, see where we can take it. I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> It'll be great. Okay. Well, that will do it for us here. Thank you again so much for listening. And thank you once again to Andrew and Kat for co-hosting this show. Thank you to SPL for presenting this and giving us all the support along the way. And thank you to Energy Strong for being supportive and understanding of what we're trying to do here. I want to remind everyone that we are still supporting the Porter Billups Leadership Academy. We are taking any sponsorship monies that come into the show here and we're donating them all back to the Porter Billups Leadership Academy. If you want to learn more about them, you can go back and listen to our first episode. Or you can find them online at porterbillips-denver.org. Please remember to leave a rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcast and tell a friend if you like what we're talking about here. We'll see you all next time.